Good morning. I told Kelsey before I got up here, so much on my mind. This whole week there was so much on my mind. Uh, when you get uh, a lot of news of illnesses, deaths, falls, disease, natural disasters, right? Um, you, your, your mind gets flooded and you get down and you get... Uh, sometimes frustrated because you're like, why is this happening? Um, but that's the life, uh, the world we live in, there's sin. Um, but I like this time of year, um, Christmas season, because we know who is coming, right? Emmanuel, God with us. He dwelt among us, took on flesh. And that's why we have... Um, Especially in this time, a lot of peace, because we know there's a, there's a Savior that's come into the world that takes away the sins of the world. Um, that gives me hope, that gives me peace and rest. Um, so in, in the midst of tons of stuff up here, we can have rest in Jesus, our Savior. Um, pray with me today as we uh, get into the Word, because I need prayer to center um, the, the, what do you call it, the, so much in your mind, there's a word for it, but to declutter my mind, there you go, to center us as we go into the Word of God. God, thank you so much for this morning, where we can come once again around your Word and to read about the Savior Jesus coming into the world and the characters that surround His birth and His growth as a man, first of all, as a baby, and then a boy, and then as a man. Thank you for Jesus. There's rest, there's peace, there's true grace that comes from that sacrifice that he made. We know the death on the cross was the, the path that Jesus took. That's where it led him. But it started as a baby in a manger. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This week I was sitting at my desk on Monday. And as I was reading, studying, I was like, I want to listen to some music. And what holiday season is it? It's Christmas. So I tried to find a playlist that's online of Christian worship songs, Christmas songs. I was like, I want to... Listen to some Christmas music at my desk. So I found one. I turned it on. Started reading and studying while there's music in the background. The first song, Away in a Manger, I'm like, yes, this is it. Jesus coming into the world as a baby. This is a good start to this playlist. Then the second song begins. Listen to it. Haul out the holly. Put up the tree before my spirit falls again. Fill up the stocking. I may be rushing things, but deck the halls again now. For we need a little Christmas right this very minute. Candles in the window, carols at the spinet. Yes, we need a little Christmas right this very minute. Hasn't snowed a single flurry, but Santa, dear, we're, we're in a hurry. Climb down the chimney, turn on the brightest string of lights I've ever seen. Slice up the fruitcake. It's time we've hung some tinsel on the evergreen bough. For I've grown a little leaner, grown a little colder, grown a little sadder, grown a little older, 
And I need a little angel sitting on my shoulder. Need a little Christmas now. For we need a little music, need a little laughter, need a little singing ringing through the rafter. And we need a little snappy, happy ever after, need a little Christmas now. I was disappointed. I hear you laughing, but I wasn't laughing. I wanted to get into the Christmas spirit, but the second song after Away in a Manger was that. Nothing about Jesus. Nothing about the good news. I was frustrated. Turned it off. Because I thought the playlist was going to be all about Jesus. And it wasn't. It's not a bad song. No, don't get me wrong. But there was no Jesus. That was why I chose the series we're going through, the characters of Christmas. Because these characters are centered around Jesus coming into the world as a baby. The good news of a Savior. And some of these characters we look over year after year. We don't read about them. We don't read about the characters that were experiencing this baby. The Savior of the world. So that's how my week started. Frustration, throwing away the song list that I thought was Jesus, about Jesus. Again, I want to start with this quote. You're going to hear it again next week, so hope you have it memorized. William Placker writes about Christmas. Even the stories of his birth make clear that Jesus is going to change the rules. He is a king born in a stable. He is God made flesh, but his birth occasions scandal and violence. Authorities appear in the story ordering people around and massacring children. It is an embarrassed woman, some strange foreigners, and some disreputable shepherds who seem to be those with whom and through whom God is working in the birth of this human being who is also God. Jesus' birth set the pattern for his ministry. The characters of Christmas. We'll go through them again. We looked at Mary and Joseph two weeks ago. We, and then last week we looked at the shepherds and angels. This week we're going to look at Simeon and Anna. Next week, King Herod and the Magi. The characters of Christmas. The characters that surround Christ's birth and His early infancy. I hope that you've been encouraged by these characters and what we can learn from them. Because I have when I'm sitting at my desk and writing down these things that I want to encourage you with, I'm doing the same thing for myself. I'm encouraging myself. The Holy Spirit's telling us this is what we need to do. How we need to live. How can we have rest and grace and peace in this world that seems to be falling apart, right? You heard in the news this week, there's a lot of stuff going on. Especially in the last month. But these stories give us hope. And today you're going to see it. If you know Simeon and Anna, they're not very young, are they? They're elderly people in the temple, waiting. So turn with me to Luke. Before we get to Luke chapter 2, I want you to go to Luke chapter 1. The very start of Luke's gospel 
If you know Luke, he's a doctor. He was a companion of Paul. But look how he starts off Luke, his writing. He says this, Luke chapter 1, the first four verses. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know that the certainty of the things you have been taught. Right from the get-go, we've been in the book of Luke for a while. For three weeks we looked at Luke. Mary is in Luke. The shepherds and angels are in Luke from last week. This week we're in Luke again. But what does Luke say here? He says, I've carefully investigated everything. What you are about to read, you can trust it. You can believe it. It happened. You know, when we read the shepherds and angels story last week, some people were like, that's too crazy of a story. That's, that never happened. But I think I said it last week. Luke probably talked to Mary about these events and what happened. So we can trust Luke. And this story here, these two characters we're going to look at, oh, they encourage me this week, especially the times we're going through. Now, if you read Luke, we've looked at Luke shortly here, the first two chapters. Luke often pairs a man and a woman, said a writer I read this week. And if you read through Luke, just from the beginning here you see it. Zechariah's paired with his wife Elizabeth. Mary's and Joseph are paired together. Now you have Simeon and Anna we're going to look at. And if you read through the, book, uh, the Gospel of Luke, even the healing stories and the ministry, there's a woman paired with a man, side by side. It's just how Luke wrote. African-American commentator Stephanie Crowder said, Luke includes Simeon and Anna to establish Jewish continuity as Jesus is the fulfillment of the line of David and the rightful Jewish heir. So these two Jewish followers are waiting for the Messiah. And if, when we read this, they're old, they're waiting, and they're excited. We're going to look at that today. So Luke chapter 2, here we go. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 22. Now, going back to verse 21, which we read last week, Remember, Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day following the Jewish law there. That's, an, that's a key point to remember here. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves, or two young pigeons. So Joseph and Mary, right from the start of Jesus' birth, he's circumcised on the eighth day. That's what you do for a Jewish child. And now after the purification rites, they do all that the law of Moses required. 
And we learn from Matthew. Remember we talked about Joseph from Matthew? If you remember, what was that? How did Matthew describe Joseph? He was faithful to the law. Remember he wanted to divorce Mary quietly? He was faithful to the law. In these verses we just read from Luke, he quotes two Old Testament law. Exodus 13, 2 and verse 12, and then Leviticus 12, 8 are quoted by Luke. Why does he do that? You see that in verse 23. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. So the firstborn male of a Jewish family was dedicated, consecrated to the Lord. Because who belongs to the Lord? The firstborn. Didn't Jesus already belong to God, though? He was God. But they're still consecrating Jesus to God. Because they were faithful to the law. When the days of purification were over, the woman brings an offering to the priests to make atonement for her, and then she will become ceremonially clean. So Mary took 40 days, that's the purification process, 40 days after the male child was born, that she can take this offering to the temple. So she takes it. But what does Mary bring? Did you see that in Luke? A pair of doves or two young pigeons? What was the sacrifice supposedly we think of? What sacrifice are you to bring to the temple for sins? A what? Shout it out. A lamb. But why does it say here two pigeons or two doves? If you go back to the quote, Leviticus, if you could not afford a lamb, that's what you brought. Two young pigeons or two doves. So what does that tell us about Mary and Joseph? They were poor, right? Bill, you're getting ahead of us. That's next week. Come on. They were poor. They could not afford a lamb. So we see here, Joseph and Mary, and Jesus born into this earthly family, is identified as poor. Listen to what Paul says. Paul writes this about Jesus. Though he was rich... Yet for the sake, for your sake, he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich, and he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Going back to Mary two weeks ago, hmm, why did God choose Mary and Joseph? Identifying with poor. Man, God's plans are unfathomable. We talked that, about that in high, or, uh, Sunday school. I was going to say high school. We probably learned it there too. Uh, but God's ways are, oh, God's plans and how it's all orchestrated here, what? We can go off that, but we're getting back on topic here. And not only in Paul's writing, look what Matthew records 
from the Sermon on the Mount telling us what Jesus said. Matthew writes this, that Jesus actually said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Even from the very beginning of Jesus' earthly human life, we learn that. The law or the prophets was not abolished. They did all that the law of the Lord required. Jesus, who is God, and they still did all the requirements of the law. I, I can't put, wrap my mind about it, but they still did it. Let's read on. So they're in the temple, and now we come across our character, one of the characters for today. Listen to this. We're going to read a few verses and then talk about them. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. So we hear Luke tells us there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout, but he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Do you like that word, waiting? Who likes to wait? I hate it. We gotta wait. Oh. You go into a supermarket, you find the shortest line, and you're getting out, right? The gas pump, you hope there's no line. But sometimes we have to wait. But Simeon here, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. We don't know how long he was waiting, but he was waiting. But then there's an interesting thing. He was a man that was led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit moved him to say, go to the temple. Get there. Because you're going to see the Lord's Messiah. So wherever the Spirit led Simeon, he was going to follow. And he found himself at the temple. The Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon that you're going to see the Lord's Messiah before you die. So I, I kind of picture, when I was thinking about this, I kind of picture the Holy Spirit going, Get over there, Simeon. You know how you nudge somebody? Go do that. Come on, go. You can do it. That's what I feel. That's what I pictured as I pictured Simeon and the Holy Spirit saying, You got to get there. You're not moving, Simeon. Come on, go. And he went to the temple, he was ready. It doesn't say how long he was waiting, but he's ready to see the Lord's Messiah face to face. A point we can think about this, I said it earlier, but God's timing is always better than ours. Sometimes we're like, I want it now. Why didn't I get it now, God? I've been praying for this for one day. I need it now. I've been praying for this two weeks. Why didn't I get it yet? And then three years down the road, it's like, oh, now I have it. I had to wait three years to get it. We're thankful then, but in the waiting process, we weren't thankful because we're like, I want it, I want it, I want it. 
But Simeon was ready. Because watch what we read next. Read on. Here we go. This is cool. Simeon took him in his arms. He took Jesus in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. He took Jesus in his arms. Now, can you picture that? Simeon, this elderly man, doesn't say how old he was, but he's ready to die if, when you see what he said. But he took Jesus, the Messiah, in his arms. I don't know about you, but when my first child, Kezia, was born, oh, when, when I got her in my arms, it was like, oh, this is, this is my child. Some of you may have experienced that with children or grandchildren or nieces, nephews, or any child born in the church. You're like, it's a new baby. And you pick it up in the arms and you're just like, yes, a new life. But I cannot imagine what Simeon felt like. He has Jesus, the Messiah, in his arms. I probably would have been so awestruck that I couldn't say anything. But Simeon doesn't, is not silent. He says, Sovereign Lord, you promised this, now you can dismiss me in peace. I've seen the Messiah. I can die now. And then he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. Writer Richard Donovan said, Our hope lies not in anything that we have done, but on God's grace, mercy that we have not deserved, but which Christ has made available to us. Simeon, my eyes have seen your salvation in this little baby, the Messiah which you have prepared. Now, when you prepare something, it's not just some quick thing, right? Which you prepared in the sight of all nations. Jesus, the Messiah, was coming, and they were waiting, and now Simeon's waiting, and he finds that it's true. The Messiah is in my arms. What a picture that must have been. What a scene that must have been. Some writers were like, did anybody notice but Simeon? Maybe. Were there other people waiting? I don't know. We'll find out Anna was also waiting, but were there other people that were saying, what's going on here? It doesn't tell us. But it was Simeon took Jesus in his arms. Here's a, one of the verses from, it's a song called Came Down by the Cross Movement. It says, The more I live, the more I'm convinced of the fact that there's hope in this life in spite of what sin does. 
hard knock life and can't weed out the sorrow. We sung about trading our sorrows. Still, I believe the sun will be out tomorrow. I've got a right to think like this, and my reason is connected to the season of Christmas. Because though it doesn't seem right one night, this place of low worth held the birth of one, capital O, priceless. Straight up, wait a minute, the kid's sovereign. Born in a stable, he deserved the Ritz-Carlton. That's just the tip of the ice. And Christmas is the perfect time for the rhyme to hip you to Christ. It's all about Christ. Remember going back to my earlier example of the song that just, I threw it away because I didn't want to listen to it anymore? Christmas is the perfect time for Christ. I'm going to sing about Christ because Jesus, who was God, came down, took on flesh, born and laid in a manger. Remember last week, talked about that. The manger was the sign that you're going to find this baby for the shepherds. And now Jesus comes to the temple as a baby and Simeon takes Jesus in his arms and says, yes, I've seen the Messiah. So there's, there's salvation for everybody. And then Simeon goes on. This is what struck me a little bit. Look what he says, verse 33 to 35. Luke writes this, The child's father and mother, Joseph and Mary, marveled at what was said about Jesus. So the parents were marveling at what was said. But then Simeon blessed them, yes. Simeon blessed both of them. But he said to Mary, and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now, do you want to hear that as a mother? A sword is going to pierce your own soul too, Mary. Simeon blesses the family, blesses Joseph and Mary, But then he tells Mary, this baby, this Jesus, the Messiah, is going to cause some problems. There's going to be some division. It's not going to be some easy salvation road. Mary, you're not going to have an easy life either. Hilda Bright, a commentator, wrote this, People will show their attitudes to God when they accept or refuse God's Son, Jesus. So Mary listens to Simeon saying, this child is going to cause some problems, going to cause some division. Your life might not be that easy, Mary, as the mother of the Messiah. And if you go to the end of the Gospels, the end of Jesus' life, Mary's sitting at the cross, right? It's not easy. You think Mary remembered what Simeon said at the end of Jesus' life? We won't get there, but I think that's one reason Jesus looks at her and says, there's your son, 
And son, talking to John, take care of Mary for me. Now, there are many people who believe in God, or at least that they say God exists. But Simeon is proclaiming that this child is the long-awaited Messiah. He's not saying, this is just some baby. Look at the baby. His name is Jesus. No, Simeon's saying, this is the Messiah. I've been waiting my whole life for this. This child to be born. Two questions for you. How will you view this child, Jesus? Or how do you view Jesus? How do we look at Jesus? What do we think about Jesus? Enduring Word Commentator said this as we read on. When we read on to verse 36, the prophet Anna comes along. Let's read about Anna. Here we go. And then I'll tell you what the commentator said because it fits so perfectly. So Simeon, here's the long-awaited Messiah. He's here. Salvation for all people. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. You already know that Luke's explaining more about Anna than he did Simeon. It's just kind of interesting to me. Uh, One writer, if I didn't say it before, Luke has a way to tell more about the women that he wrote about. Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher, she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. Some translations say she was a widow for 84 years. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So Anna comes into the picture. You see a lot of description about her. She's very old. She was married at one time, but now she's been a widow for a very long time. But she never left the temple. She was always worshiping night and day, fasting and praying. She never left the temple. You think she was waiting? Just like Simeon, she was worshiping and thanking God, fasting and praying daily in the temple. Commentator David Guzik wrote about Anna, she had not lost hope. Perhaps it was because she was a woman of worship and a woman of prayer. Do you know any women like that? I wrote down that question and I thought of like three, four, five, six just in this church. I know there's one probably listening online, Virginia Stratton. I hate to give names, but Sonia Sherman's blessed me. Colleen Waldron's blessed me. There's many more I can name. And I'd probably miss one, so don't be mad at me. 
But I've only been here four months. And I know many women like Anna. Worshipping, praying, fasting daily. Again, David Gusick writes, Anna's close walk with God was shown by her love for Jesus and her desire to tell others about Jesus. Did you catch that? She never left the temple, worshipped day and night, fasting and praying, coming up to them. So she came up to Joseph and Mary and the child. And at that very moment, she gave thanks to God. And didn't even stop there. And spoke about the child to one person. Did it say that? To one person? No, what does it say? To all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. That's that's amazing. If you were there Wednesday night at Not a Fan book discussion, Kyle Eidelman writes this, which I think goes right with it. He says, We are saved by God's grace when we believe in Jesus and put our faith in Him. But biblical faith is more than something we confess with our mouths. It's something we confess with our lives. Anna worshipped daily, night and day, fasted and prayed and then she sees Jesus and give thanks to God and then what did she do she's confessing and not only with her mouth but she's confessing with her life she's going out and saying this is true Anna was committed to God and living a lifestyle that proved that do you ever do you ever tell somebody like they say, I'm really good at this. And you say, prove it. You ever say that? I'm an athlete, so everybody's, you know, when you're playing basketball or baseball, soccer, I could do that. And they're like, prove it. And then you try to do it and you can't do it. They're like, I told you you couldn't do it. But if you told Anna to prove that she loved God and loved Jesus as she did here, she proved it. She proved it. Scottish Bible scholar quoted him last week. William Barclay wrote, Anna was old, and she never or she had never ceased to hope, never ceased to worship, never ceased to pray. This woman says prophet. This woman, this prophet, waited a long time, but she saw the Messiah. Do we live as if we are in love with Jesus? That's what we're trying to figure out and not a fan discussion, right? Do we love Jesus so much that we're going to do this with our lives? So think about that. Do we live as if we are in love with Jesus? And let me tell you, I think Simeon and Anna, they were in love. With Jesus. Listen to how it ends here. Verse 39 and 40. There was, or sorry, when Joseph and Mary had done everything, there it is again, 
done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. We saw this earlier. Joseph and Mary are faithful to the Jewish law. They did everything the law required. But we also see a description of the child Jesus, the Messiah. He grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Do you ever just look at that description and say, wow, Luke's writing about this child and how the child grew up. He became strong. He was filled with wisdom. The object of God's grace. We won't go here, but look at verse 41. Do you, did you see verse 41 real quick? Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. So again, they're always faithful to the law. But then verse 42, when he was 12. Ah, Where's from however old he was in the temple here to, to age 12? Where is that stuff about Jesus? I want to know. I was once that age, right? I have kids that age. I want to know what Jesus was doing. But we don't have anything. And let me tell you, though. This is a piece of paper. I printed it off. This is, it's from a... Two rabbis um, in the Jewish sect. They said this is called the childhood of Jesus, and there's a bunch of saint, like other uh, out of the Bible texts that talk about Jesus's childhood. Some of them are crazy. I'm like, I don't know if that was true, but could have been. But there's out there, and you could read, it and it's like, eh, I don't know. But that's it. Was just interesting to Google it and say what's out there. So this is all. Childhood stuff about Jesus, if you want to read it. Some of it's interesting, some of it's not. But, but I'm like, what, what happened? What did Jesus do? As a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old, did he cry? Probably. Did he get on his parents' nerves? Probably. I could just picture Mary. What are you doing, Joe? What are you doing? Joe, go get, uh, talking to her husband. Joe, go get Jesus. He's messing around again. Bring him here. So I can spank him with your hammer. Wait, no, no. But where's the stuff? We don't have it. And I, I was just sitting there at my desk. It's not important. We don't need to know it. Because what do we just read? Simeon taking Jesus in his arms saying, this is the Messiah. Salvation's here. And then you read about the 12-year-old. He's speaking some wisdom to some older people in the temple. <laughs> I think the recorded stories we have give us enough that says, oh, Jesus is just what William Placker says, changing the rules. There's a lot in there. He's changing the rules. Now, what should we learn from Simeon and Anna this morning? Firstly, God is sovereign. Jack Cottrell, Christian theologian, writes, Sovereignty is the same as lordship. Basically, the term lord signifies the owner of something. An owner has the inherent right to control and to use his possessions as he sees fit. 
To say that God is the sovereign Lord over all things means that he owns everything, which gives him the right to do what he chooses with it all. God is sovereign. He's in control. He's in control. You see it here. Simeon's waiting for the Messiah, and the Holy Spirit tells Simeon, you're going to see the Messiah. It's coming. You held him, Simeon. God is sovereign. Secondly, live in accordance with the Holy Spirit. Are we living in accordance with the Holy Spirit? Really quickly, these passages jumped out to me. Romans 8, starting in verse 5. I won't read it all. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Are we living in accordance with the Spirit? If the Spirit tells us to do something, are we willing to do it and follow the Spirit's leading? He goes on to say, Paul goes on to say, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Are we living in accordance with the Spirit? He also goes on to the believers in Galatia. He says this, Paul writes, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And he goes on, they are in conflict with each other. The flesh and the spiritual life are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I love that saying. The flesh and the Spirit are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Do you like to do what you want? You're like, I'm going to do this, I don't care. But then that Spirit's like, the Holy Spirit's like, you can't do that. And you're like, ugh, ugh, ugh. Being led by the Spirit, you will live. Your mind is set on heavenly spiritual things. That's what Simeon was doing, right? He was moved by the Spirit to go to the temple, and what did he do? He didn't say, oh, I'm going to stay home. He went to the temple because he's like, the Holy Spirit's telling me to go there. Thirdly, look forward to the return of Jesus with hope, fasting, and prayer. Peter, another apostle of Jesus, he writes this, and this is the most important thing I want you to, to see here today, I think, because they were looking for the baby Messiah, right? What are we looking forward to? A baby? No, we're looking for the return of Jesus to make things new and right. But look what Peter says. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Okay, we don't know when it's coming. But then he writes, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of the Lord. And speed, it's coming. So we look forward to that day. Just like Simeon and Anna were looking forward to the Messiah coming into the world, we look forward to Jesus coming back. And then he goes on. Peter says, So then, dear friends, 
Since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. Bear in mind, this is... I could just preach this, read this verse and we can go home because look at Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Jesus, come back today, please. This world is a mess. But what does it say? The Lord's patience, He's not coming back yet, is what? Means salvation. I forget where it said. I know it's in there. You can shout it out and help me out, but it says, God doesn't want anybody to perish. Do you believe that? God does not want anybody to perish. The Lord's patience means salvation. Are we looking forward to the return of Jesus with hope? We say, He's coming. I'm hoping for that day. Are we looking forward to it with fasting? You know, Anna, another writer talked about Anna here. And look what he writes. Anna's constant state of fasting identifies her as one in a state of mourning, not for her husband, but for the people of God. However, seeing the child, her mourning turns to praise. She was mourning for the people of God because the Savior of the world is born into this world and now there's salvation for everybody. A widow was fasting, not in mourning for her husband, for for the people of God. Do we mourn and fast and pray for those that don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus? To be honest, I fail many, many times. I was driving in my car the other day going to pick up a furniture item and as I was driving there, I'm like, how, how, I was trying to meditate and think, when I leave that place, what do I want to tell them when I leave? So I was going through scenarios, I'm like, I'm going to say something. Then I get to the time that to say it, they put the furniture in the back of my minivan, and what do I, I say, God bless you this Christmas season. But I could have done more. I could have said, you want to know why I celebrate Christmas? Or ask them, why do you celebrate Christmas? And then have a little conversation, but I didn't. What did Anna do? She told everybody about the child. Lastly, goes right into the last thing. Salvation is found in Jesus. Salvation is found in in Jesus. There's no other place. We can try to find it. A lot of people have. But salvation is found in Jesus. So as we think about this Christmas season, and we think about this baby Jesus coming into the world, the Messiah, let us also think about the return of Jesus And let us look at our neighbor 
the clerk at the grocery store, the furniture people I missed talking about Jesus, our coworkers, our children, to not forget why we celebrate this season. Because Jesus, the Messiah, who takes away the sins of the world, is born, laid in a manger, blessed at the temple. Remember Simeon said, I could die now. Is it good news? Is it good news? So we need to be going out there and sharing it. I actually had five things. That was number five. Before salvation is in Jesus. Go spread the good news. We can't stop that. People try. People want to stop the message of Jesus going out. Remember the song I listened to? Oh, frustration because Jesus wasn't in it. Let's remember that. There's good news because Jesus brings salvation. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Yes, in a world that seems like it's, you know, going in ruins every, every day, whether it's disease, illness, natural disasters, news about um, people get going, having to go to the hospital that's part of our family. We think of Jeff today. But we know you're in control. Your plans, your timing is better than ours. Help us to wait and to celebrate this good news that Jesus was born, but he's also coming back. And you're very, very patient. You're patient because you want people to be saved. And you've called us to go out and share it. Just like the shepherds, just like Anna, just like Simeon. Just like the wise men, Magi, we'll talk about next week. People have to go out and share the good news. So let us be ones that are willing to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.